what I'm going to uh, speak today. God has given us to delve into his righteousness, delve into his grace, his truth, and the many wonderful things that come with uh, the mercy of God. So I want to start today <clears throat> to read from the book of John, John chapter 17 and verse 14. If you're a good Bible student, you know that John 17 is a prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ for his disciples and for all of us today. And he prays to his father. And he says, I've given them your word. And the world, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Okay, Jesus tells us what he has done for us. He says for them, that means for all of us, he has sanctified himself so that we also may be truly sanctified. John chapter 1 verse 15, uh, this is uh, a scripture uh, where John speaks and the Bible says, John testifies concerning him, that is Christ. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now, this is a very, very deep scripture. A very, this is a lot of powerful truths, and we need to really look at uh, these aspects that we have been reading. Now, let me also read from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible reads here, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that springs forth, that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is, being, is, is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Now that's a very powerful word, okay? And, and this is what I want to really emphasize about today. You see, the Bible reads here, and this is Paul speaking to the church in Colossae, and of course, it's written to us all today. All over the world, his gospel is bearing fruit and is growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truths. You know, there's a very important factor here that we want to look at uh, in detail, uh, that we recognize, that we hear, that we understand, that we discern the grace in all its truths. Amen. Let me open with a word of prayer. Lord, our, Lord, our God, we want to thank you so much for your presence today. We thank you, Lord, for your word, your word of truth, your word that comes with love and compassion and mercy. 
so that, Lord, it will be able to transform our lives for us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. I pray, Lord, that may your word today touch our hearts, touch our minds, and make us the kind of people that understand all of your grace that comes in truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So recognize grace, the grace of God in all its truths. Okay? Grace and truth are moving together. Okay? They are never going to be without each other. You can't have truth and then uh, feel there is no grace in the truth. You know, some people sometimes they feel uh, truth is hard. Okay? But uh, truth is required, is necessary. And I will come to that as I go through the different scriptures. You know, because God is truth. God is righteousness. God is above all, you know, uh, negative things that we, we see in our world. And because he is truth, we also need to live in the truth. Now, the word of God is truth and is manifested in Christ. And it's very important that we understand that. Okay? The Bible tells us in the beginning was the word. Okay? And the word is truth. Okay? And the word was God. And the word became flesh in Jesus our Lord and Savior and walked amongst us. So we, we need to recognize that everything began from the word, okay? Creation started with the word of God, okay? Without the word that has come forth from the Father, uh, nothing that we see in creation today would be here, not even ourselves, because we couldn't have lived without the environment that God has created through his powerful word. The Bible tells us that only when it came to man, to human beings, to the, the Adam, okay, the man, only then God came and formed him. He came to, uh, that he created his hands on uh, the human being uh, that he created in his own image. That's an amazing realization, uh, and it shows to us how important we are, okay? Any other creature was just spoken into being. Any other plant was just spoken into being. But when it came to you, God did not only speak and Holy Spirit, we're all, we're all you know, taking part in forming that human being, okay? Now, some people are mistaken when they think, you know, we are close relatives to some other creatures, okay? No, we are not, okay? Of course, uh, the reality is that God took us, you know, our body from the soil and he formed us from the soil. But then that is just a container that carries us, okay? And that container may be similar to, to containers that carry other animals, but it has nothing to do with who we are. Okay, because this container is not going to be there for eternity. It's only going to be there for, you know, these few years we are actually on this planet called Earth. After that, God gives us a new body, a resurrection body that is not taken from the ground, but that is taken from the heavenly riches of his glory. So let's not be, understand, let's not be mistaken what people are getting confused with you know, a lot of people, they have got all kinds of different questions because, uh, as the Bible says, you don't understand the power of God, okay? And we need to understand the power of God. Of course, uh, we can all not fully understand the power of God, but we, we need to recognize the power of God. We need to recognize uh, the wonderful way God is working in our lives. And uh, that's why we are studying the word of God, because that's where we are going to learn. That's where we are going to hear how God is doing what he's doing. So truth is forever defined by the living word of God. Okay? Truth is defined. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who make their own truths. 
And uh, that's why Pilate was cynically asking the question, what is truth? Okay, because some people, they manufacture their own truth. Okay. But when it comes to the truth, the true truth, okay, the truth in Christ, you can't manufacture that. It has been revealed to us in Christ. And that's very important. So let me just go to this scripture and read from John chapter 18, verse 36. Okay, this was the time when Jesus was taken to Pilate because the, the, the Jewish leadership, they wanted to get him crucified, they wanted to kill him, and they had no right to do so because the power uh, that was ruling in Israel at that time were the Romans. Okay, and so only the Romans could uh, condemn somebody to death. Uh, in fact, uh, if, if the Jewish people would have killed Jesus, they would not have crucified him because that was a, a Roman practice. Okay, so you can see everything that has been said in the Old Testament points to a time that God knew is going to happen. Okay? God knew that the Romans would be there at the time when Jesus came. God knew that he would be crucified on a cross as it is prophesied in the Old Testament. Okay, that's amazing, and we should just understand how uh, powerful God has been speaking his word of truth to all of us, and that's why it's so important that we study it. Okay, so Jesus was in front of Pilate, who was trying to assess whether or not he should be crucified. Okay, whether or not uh, he should give in to the Jewish leadership and... Uh, condemn Jesus to death. And so in John verse 18, verse 36, uh, after Pilate is asking uh, Jesus whether he's a king, he says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from, my, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then? Pilate asked. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Okay? Now that's very important. Jesus says I came for this very reason to testify from the truth, to establish the truth, to let the world know what truth is all about. Okay? And then he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Okay? He could realize, he could see that there was no guilt in Jesus. You know, the, the, the leadership of the Jewish, uh, you know, temple and those who were in charge of the religious establishment, if you may call it that, uh, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. But Pilate couldn't see any, any problem. In fact, he must have touched him with uh, the fact that he established the word truth. Now, Pilate cynically asked the question, what is truth? Because we know that in our world, you know, people are bending facts to make them truth the way they want it to look like. There is so much lying all over the world today. I heard one leader saying, you know, and he said it literally on camera, he says, if you want to, people believe you on a certain issue, uh, even if uh, they know it's not true, just repeat it often enough. Then eventually they will believe it. Okay, so in other words, we are being lied at uh, on different levels, okay? And uh, especially when you hear something being said over and over and over again, then you must know. <laughs> People telling you a lie, okay? 
It's not the truth. The truth is found in the word of God. And we need to be established in the truth. You know, we need to recognize God's grace in all its truth. <coughs> Only when we know the truth, that means we know Christ, can we experience that the truth will set us free. Okay, let me just read that in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 31. Bible says here to the Jews who had believed in him Jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples if you hold to my teachings that is the truth the truth of the word of God then you are my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free okay Lies can never set us free. They will bind us ever more, you know, tie us down because, you know, uh, lies have short legs. And sooner or later, a lie will be made uh, manifest and known that it's a lie. But the truth will stand no matter what. If you live in the truth, you never need to be afraid. You never need to worry because that we should all experience in Christ. That's why he sent Jesus into uh, this world. Now the Bible tells us that uh, the scripture that we have just been reading, uh, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And then verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Okay, in the Old Testament, we all know that God gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, and uh, that was not the law in its entirety. In fact, if you read uh, the law, it's quite, uh, quite extensive, okay? Exodus, uh, up to Deuteronomy, you know, uh, it, it all speaks about the various, uh, you know, the various varieties of, 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 of law that is being given to the people of, of Israel. Okay, so the law was given to Moses. But the problem was that man could not keep the law. Now you may ask the question, if man could not keep, keep the law, then why did God give the law to man? Okay, was it not like erroneous to say, I give you this law, but I know you can't keep it? Okay, actually, God gave the law to the people of Israel because he wanted them to be holy. But they didn't see how unholy they were. Okay? They didn't see where they were failing. Okay? They didn't see how, how sh they were short, fall, falling short of the glory of God. And that's why God established the law to show them, you know, this is the standard. Okay? If you are reaching here, then you are falling short. And the Bible tells us very clearly that if we fail in one of the uh, laws that God has set up in the Old Testament, then we have failed the whole law, okay? So you cannot say, okay, I've, I've done it 95%. Sorry, 95% is not enough, okay? Even 99% is not enough. Because if you fail in one instruction of the law, you have failed the whole law. Now you may say that's very unfair. How could give, God give us such a law? But you see, God is God. God is holy. God is righteous. And if we want to be with him, if we want to be holy, if we want to be righteous, then we need to conform to that standard, not to our own standard. You know, when I grew up, many times I heard people saying, including my father, I'm a good man. And you know, by his own standard, yes, he was a good man. He was, he was helpful. You know, he was never stealing from anybody. He was never doing anything, you know, that would hurt others. Uh, so you could say he was a good man. And, and, and often he said, I'm, I'm okay, you know. I don't need to go to church because I'm a good man. Okay, the, the problem was it was his standard, okay. According to his own standard, he was good. But according to the standard, he failed. The God standard. The eternal standard, okay. Thank God 
in his age, he came to realize that that standard that he had set for himself was not enough. And so this is what many people do. They say, I'm okay, I'm good enough. And even if they are liars, uh, they will whitewash the lie to make it look okay. Okay, this is what happens in our world regularly, all the time, you know, and I think it's important that we, that we understand that. You know, as the children of God, we must learn to live in the truth because, you know, in our old nature, it's normal to lie, isn't it? And when we come to know Christ, when we are born again, when we are saved, then we must not, uh, you know, close an eye and say, okay, it's all right. It's just a white lie. What is a white lie, by the way? Uh, where can you read this in the Bible? Okay. Can you, can you tell me where the scripture is which tells us that white lies are okay? No, a lie is a lie. Okay. And, and we, miss, we must understand the standard. Now, again, you may ask, how can we if man cannot fulfill the law? How can we keep the law that is, you know, too far above for us to reach? But good, thank you that you asked. Okay, because the answer is powerful. Okay. Now, we, we, we know that uh, in the Old Testament, God shows his people not only the law, but he also shows them his grace. Okay. God gave Israel the law because they could not see their need for grace. Okay? They saw they were okay. When the law came, then they had to recognize that they were falling short of the glory of God. And only when we understand our need for mercy and grace will we be able to repent. Okay? If you don't understand that, you will never repent. And that's why a lot of people, they tell you, why should I repent? Because according to their own standard, they are okay. They are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. You get my point? Okay. So God established a tabernacle in the wilderness. Okay. And uh, we, we all know Moses was allowed to go up to the mountain. And God was laying out his plans for that tabernacle, which were really amazing and later on, later on of course uh, the tabernacle was then replaced by the temple but the, the truth of this uh, tabernacle or the temple are still the same okay God established the tabernacle with a sin sacrifice in the outer court okay so what this means is you know there was a temple or the tabernacle it was a holy place, and part of the holy place was the most holy place. In other words, that way, that's where people could meet with God. Okay? But then, at that time, not everybody could meet with God. Only the priests could meet with God in the holy place. And only the high priests could meet with God in a very, you know, lavish we, once a year, that is the day of atonement, and that is when, you know, the high priest had to take the blood of the animals into, through the holy place, into the most holy place, and that, of course, was uh, a picture of Christ, a sacrifice, who was uh, giving himself once and for all for our sin, okay? But let's understand this. There was an outer court, okay? An outer court, you know what is an outer court. Uh, you, you, uh, you have a place where you live in the house, okay? You have an entrance door, but outside, uh, hopefully, there is a, is a court where you can park your, your bicycle or your car, <laughs> whatever it is, okay? And then, and then you go inside. Now, in the outer court, this is where people were able to come Okay, this is where people were able to bring a sin sacrifice before the, before the Lord. Okay, giving them to the priests who were slaughtering these uh, animals. And that was God's, you know, established way to show them, you know, sin is there in your life, but 
there is a solution to sin. Okay? There is a solution through grace to come into the holy place and even into the most holy place. Now let me say this. In the Old Testament, of course, the ordinary people could never come into the holy place and let alone in the most holy place. Because that was reserved for the priests. But in the New Testament, we are all called kings and priests. And we can all come before the Lord. In fact, we can all come into the most holy place because when Jesus died at the cross of Calvary, that curtain that separated the holy and the most holy was separated, was cut into pieces, and everyone is able to enter. In the Old Testament, it was only the high priest who could enter into the most holy place. And we know that Jesus is our high priest, okay? So he entered into the holies of holy. He entered with, not with the bloods of goats and bulls, but with his own blood. And thereby made a way for all of us to enter into the most holy place. Not just once in a year, but once and for all. And I tell you, this is, this is powerful. Okay, this is powerful. But again, you know, like I said, the Old Testament shows us that the people did not recognize their need for grace. And that's why they needed to have the law that showed them this is the measure. If you're only like this, it won't work. Okay, you need to fulfill the whole law of God. And the whole law of God, we cannot fulfill. But that's why Jesus came to fulfill it on our behalf. He came into this world as a human being, okay? The son of the living God from eternity past. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, they made the decision that Jesus would come at one time, when the time had fully come, and he would be our sin sacrifice. And from that moment on, there was no more need for any animal to die because these were just foreshadowing the real, true Lamb of God. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So without that sacrifice, in the Old Testament it was the animal, but thank God for us now it is Christ. But without that sacrifice of Christ, there is no entrance into the presence of God, no entrance into the house of God, no entrance into the holy or the most holy place of God. That means we will forever be shut out from the presence of God if we are not able to walk on that path that Christ has made for us. Okay, he is our sin sacrifice. He has opened the way once and for all. And when Jesus was there on the cross, he was shouting out, it is finished. The work is done. <clears throat> and on that moment, the curtain in the temple was cut from top to bottom. Okay, who cut it? It was God himself. You know, and this curtain was not a flimsy curtain like the ones we have on our windows. This curtain was heavy. And the temple was, the tabernacle uh, was big. And of course, the temple was even bigger. The temple was about nine meters high, okay? So you can imagine <clears throat> that curtain from the top of the, of the roof, the ceiling, coming down to the bottom was about nine meters long. And it was a very heavy curtain. Even if a human being would have gone there with his knife, he would not have gone very far. So to open it from our side was going to be impossible. It was a work of futility. But God cut the curtain from top to bottom. Now, we don't know what happened after that curtain was cut because the, the Jewish people, it was impossible to have this place open. So uh, I'm sure they found a way to somehow knit it back together again. Okay, because they didn't know what was happening. Only Jesus declared it to us. Only the people who believed in Christ, they understood what that meant. Only us today, we can know why that curtain was cut. Because God 
now has removed all the barrier of sin from us so that we can actually walk freely into the presence of God. You know, Adam and Eve had fellowship with the living God until they fell into sin. And when they fell into sin, then they could no longer come because there was now that burden that did not allow them to come anymore. But now that burden was removed, okay? That barrier was gone. That curtain was no longer there. And God wanted every other sacrifice to stop immediately, okay? Because every other sacrifice was now out of tune with the reality of God, okay? What was okay in the Old Testament order was no longer okay after Jesus had died, okay? Every animal that died after Jesus had died was an insult to God, okay? Because it was only the holy, precious blood of Jesus that can save us from our sin. Before that, it was just reminding the people, foreshadowing that one day the Lamb of God is, is going to come. But when he came, then there was no longer any need for any other sacrifice. And because the people did not listen, the people did not heed what God was teaching them, <clears throat> God decided to have the temple being removed. Okay, you may say, oh, this is terrible. You know, and a lot of people today, they can't still understand that. Even Christians, many Christians in the world, they don't understand it. And some of them, they are actually putting money together and many of them have put money together and even building material to build the new temple. The temple that needs to be built in Jerusalem according to them. But let's not be short-sighted, okay? Actually, God is building his temple. He has been, he has been building his temple ever since he rose from the dead, Okay? And Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower that church, okay? I will build it on the confession that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Messiah, that he is the eternal redeemer, okay? And that's what he's doing. So you and me, we are building material of the new temple, Okay? We are living stones, as Peter tells us. So God is building his temple quite all right. And it will not be a temple that has got a division between a holy and a most holy place. Actually, it is the temple in whom God lives by his spirit. Amen? You know, we read this several times. You know, Paul will live. He will make his being. Corinthians about uh, in this temple, God will move. He will live. He will make his being. <clears throat> Because that's why this temple was required. So if a temple would be there according to the old plans, then it would have to go back to sacrificing animals. But what are they there for? You know, what would sacrifices uh, of bulls and, 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 and uh, other creatures uh, help us? Because our sin is already forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our redeemer once and for all. There is no more need for any other sacrifice. So remember, <clears throat> without sacrifice, there's no entrance into the holy place or the most holy place. But for us, that holy place is not somewhere a temple that, is, that still needs to be built. But for us, that is that we can come freely into the presence of the most holy God and nothing hinders us to come even into the most holy place because of what God has done for us. In <clears throat> 2 John verse 3, it's a very interesting uh, verse here. You know, 2 John doesn't have chapters. There are only verses. And it says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. Okay? So in other words, we can't be shut out. It's with us. You know, God is with us. God with us. The hope of glory. His grace, his truth, his love, his kindness, his righteousness are all with us in a very, very powerful way. 
And so let us understand that Christ is our salvation and our righteousness. Okay, Christ is our salvation and our righteousness. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. And please, you know, uh, in your Bible, mark it, color it, or even write it somewhere in your office or wherever. You know, because that's a very, very powerful insight that God gives us here. The Bible says, it is because of him, that is God, the Father, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Okay, what has Christ become for us? Wisdom from God. Okay, so you don't need to lack wisdom, and if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. That's what the Bible tells us. Okay, Christ has become for us wisdom from God. That is, how he defines what it means to have wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Praise the Lord. You see, many people, even amongst Christians, they have a wrong kind of concept. They think, okay, I need, I, I, I need to be saved. So you, you go to... You feel you go to Jesus and get a parcel called salvation, put it in your pocket, and then you live the way you want. That's not it, okay? Actually, Christ is our salvation. If you live without Christ, even if one time you, you think you were saved, you know, if you no longer walk with Christ, you lose your salvation, okay? So Christ is our salvation. He's, our, our, he's personified. He's the truth. He's the righteousness. He's the salvation. He is the holiness of God. And that's why we need to live in sync with him. We need to walk with him each and every single day. Okay? When Christ came, he gave himself 100%. Nothing missing, nothing less. Okay? Than 100%. You know, he was God. And even when he became man, he could not you know, deny his, his divinity. He was still God. Of course, he was somehow hidden in a body, in a human body, and people didn't recognize him as the son of the living God. Even the people in, in Nazareth, they were looking at him as the son of the carpenter. And when he was reading the scriptures at one time, and grace was there, powerful grace, and everybody was marveling, where did this man get the grace from? Because he knew him. And because they knew him, you know, they were familiar with him. <clears throat> they said, no, this is not possible. That's why you should never be familiar with, with, with God, okay? You should never treat him like, like uh, you know, anybody just by the way. No, Christ is Christ. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our salvation. He's our righteousness, okay? And so the people of Nazareth, they got annoyed with him. He said, how, how, how does he think he can, he can tell us that in him there is salvation because he was reading the scripture from the book of Isaiah, you know, where he reads that the, the time has fully come and that he's carrying uh, our sins away, you know, a powerful word. So I don't want to go into details. But then the people rose against him. They pushed him out of the synagogue and pushed him to the cliff. There was a cliff in Nazareth, and they tried to push him over the cliff to kill him. So it was not the first time uh, when Jesus was standing before Pilate that people tried to kill Jesus. Okay? They were his own, you know, his own people in Nazareth wanted to kill him already. But then, of course, uh, they couldn't. And the Bible says that Jesus just walked through the crowd and they couldn't touch him because the time for that had not yet come. So let's understand that Jesus gave himself completely, wholly, totally. And in John chapter 17, verse 19, we have read that earlier on, but I want to uh, recap this. The Bible says, Jesus says to us, to his disciples, okay, and he speaks to the Father, actually, and he says, for them, that is for you and for me, for the church, okay, for them. I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. 
Okay? So we cannot make ourselves holy, but God can. Okay? We cannot make ourselves acceptable before the throne of God, but Jesus can. Okay, that's why he died. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he cleansed us from all unrighteousness and sin. And praise God, this is, this is wonderful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read this very fact. Okay, and please study the word. You know, I put all these scriptures there, not just for them to, to be read by me, but to be read by you in your own Bible study. Okay? And the Bible says here, God made him, that is Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Okay? So in other words, Jesus identified himself with our failure, with our burden, with our sin. Okay? And the Bible says then, Okay, so that we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. So in other words, Jesus has identified with us before we were saved, with our sin, with our failures. And because he died for us, because he is our salvation, now we can identify with him in his righteousness. He was made righteousness for us. Okay? And again, please, don't misunderstand that. You cannot just go to knock at the door of Jesus and say, give me your parcel of righteousness so that I put it in my pocket and I can declare I'm righteous. No, actually, Jesus has been made righteousness for us. That means we need to walk with him every single day. Okay? And that is not... You know, that is not something difficult. That is just be a joy that we have got the right to walk with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who is our righteousness, the one who has loved us so much that he gave himself as a sacrifice and that nothing can stop us anymore to come into the presence of God. And really this is important, you know. Unfortunately, you know, there is something that has developed in this world which is called religion. Okay? In fact, there are many religions, as you know. Unfortunately, the worst thing is that people have even managed to manufacture a Christian religion. Okay? But let me tell you, there is no religion. Jesus did not come to start a religion. Jesus has not given himself so that we should become religious. No, we are invited to come to Jesus Christ, who is our salvation who is our holiness, who is our righteousness, who is our wisdom from God. Amen? And in him, all the treasures that are hidden in Christ become available to us. And that's the good news. Okay? So you don't need a religion, but you need Christ. You need Christ, your Savior and Lord. And you need to be coming together with with people who are like-minded, you know, having fellowship, having union, having communion, so that you are able to give him praise and honor for what he has done in your life. Okay? Remember grace and mercy and peace is from our God that comes in the fullness of love and truth. Available for every single one who receives forgiveness, who receives life from Jesus by coming with a repentant heart in humility to receive what God has prepared for us. So Christ grants us grace. Okay, he doesn't, he doesn't give us a loan of grace. He gives us a grant. You know what the difference is between a loan and a grant? Okay, if you go to the bank and you get a loan, you pay interest. And if you're not paying regularly, you know, the money becomes ever more. Okay? But the grant is a grant. You receive it and it's yours. Okay? And God has given us, has granted us his grace so that we can live in the truth. Okay? 
that which was impossible in the Old Testament. People could not live in fulfilling the law and thereby become holy and righteous. It was not possible because no one can fulfill the law. It was only possible by trusting into the, into the sacrifice of the animal that was foreshadowing the Lamb of God that they were able to be acceptable before God. And of course, for us, this is a once and for all, Christ has become that sacrifice. He granted us his grace so that we can live in the truth. Without the grace of God, the human history would have ended in the Garden of Eden. Okay? What do I mean with that? You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were able to live uh, in the wonderful, flourishing Garden of God. Okay? Everything was prepared, beautiful. Everything was well. But then, man sinned. And when man sinned, man could no, live, no longer live in relationship and fellowship with God. Okay? It became difficult now. And if God was not a God of grace, if God was not a God of forgiveness, if God was not a God who would give them another opportunity to be saved, there would have not been any human kind. Okay? Mankind would never have been there. But thank God, God has mercy. And if he had mercy with the first sinners, praise God, he will have mercy with you and me as well. Okay? But that does not mean that we should continue sin. Okay? Actually, we should stop sinning. Okay? Because, you know, he has given us grace. And grace gives us power. Grace gives us strength to overcome the temptation, the sinfulness of this world. So God did not make us in vain because he created us, but he also redeemed us, okay? In fact, the plan for salvation was made before sin came into this world. Now, okay, that may be deep, and maybe you wonder why. Okay, why did God do that? Because God knew that man had a free will. And if you give somebody a free will, you know, he can actually use that free will even against you. Okay? And, you know, human beings, they use their free will, and eventually they used it against the ordinance of God, against the commandment of God. And because God knew that, a free will will make it possible for people to fail and to sin. And of course, God is all-knowing. He knew that. That's why he made salvation possible. You know, he made a plan for salvation. And the Bible tells us that Christ is crucified even before the foundation of the world. He volunteered. He said, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to give my life so that mankind was not created in vain, but that mankind can enjoy the presence of God for all eternity to come. That mankind can be the family of God even when failure, when sin would come. And that's what he did. Praise God. So God has a big heart, an open heart. Okay? There are a lot of people who always stress that God is an angry God. Well, of course, God is angry against sin, okay? And he will not tolerate sin. But God still more is willing to forgive sin, okay? Willing to put it under the cover of the blood of Jesus, and thereby it will be forgotten. Only when God's mercy and grace has been established in us, only then can we live in the truth. Okay? If that has not been done, we cannot live in the truth. And that's why, you know, people who are just merely religious, 
okay, merely just fulfilling a form without Christ in their lives, they will still live like the people of the world. They will not be able to walk in the truth. Okay? So grace and truth makes us members of the family of God. And that is truly beautiful. So as I said earlier, you know, he who does not understand sin does not understand grace. Okay? If you want grace, you must know where you have failed so that his grace will be flowing in all its richness into your life. So we are the people on the move and we are moving with Christ. Okay? In the book of John chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas came to the Lord and he said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the, the way? Okay, so he was trying to find out, you know, uh, how, how do we find the GPS, you know, how, how do we find the way? Okay, how will we be guided? And uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that powerful? So God says, I'm your guide. In fact, I'm the way. And so we must understand that we walk on the way, that is Christ. We walk in the truth, that is Christ. And we are aiming for life, that is Christ. Reaching all the way to our Father, whom Christ will present us to when finally everything has been said and done. Isn't that powerful? So there is grace sufficient for each and every one. Now unfortunately there are some people who have gone overboard. Okay? And there is something that some uh, teachers call hyper grace. Okay? Now uh, I don't read about hyper grace in the Bible. I just read about grace in its fullness, flowing in richness. So I, I don't need hypergrace. But what is hypergrace? Maybe if you ever come across that term, let me just give you a definition. You know, the, the term hypergrace has been used to describe a new wave of teaching that emphasizes the grace of God to the exclusion of other vital teachings such as repentance and confession of sin. Okay, they are saying, you can now do whatever you want because grace is already there, okay? In fact, what they are saying, you don't have to repent. So whatever you do, you don't have to repent because there is that hyper grace, okay? And that's not true, okay? That's not true. I will show you just now. So as a summary, we can say hyper grace, you know, the way some uh, of these preachers are preaching that today, you know, uh, may talk about the grace which, you know, is found in the Bible, but in a wrong way. And that is devastating. So hypergrace teachers maintain that all sin, past, present, and future has already been forgiven, so there's no need for a believer to ever confess it. Hypergrace teaching says that God looks at us, he sees only a holy and righteous person. Okay, now that may be true to some extent, but you know, the, we must understand that this is not the truth of the word of God. In fact, let me read for you a scripture in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Okay? So we need to walk in the light. We don't need to walk in the darkness. If we walk in the darkness, that means we continue sinning. Then we are walking in the darkness and we are making God a liar. Okay? Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves 
and the truth is not in us. Okay, do you hear that? This is not written to unbelievers, this is written to the church. John was writing his letters to the beloved, the church of the Lord. And he says, if we claim to be without sin, okay, if you just do everything that you want, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? So in other words, we are human. We make mistakes. You may be saved. Maybe you have been saved 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 4 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. doesn't matter. But you are still human. And as human beings, we are still walking around in this world, you know, and, and uh, Jesus at one time taught his disciples, you know, when you walk in the world, you know, you, you, you get dirty. Okay? So that's why at one time Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples. He was making a point here. You are in the world, and in the world you pick up dirt. Okay? And they need to be, it needs to be washed. Now that is not that we wash our feet literally. He did that just to make a point. What he was saying is that when we are affected by things that happen in our world, in one way or the other, you know, we... We fall here and we fall there. You know, we can make mistakes. We can be overcome by temptation. We need to be washed, okay? And Peter said, okay. First, he didn't want to be washed by, by Jesus. Didn't, shouldn't wash his feet. But then he said, when he realized that Jesus said, you need that or else we have no part in me. Then he says, no, wash me completely. And Jesus said, no, but you're already washed. What needs to be washed is, you know, what is in touch with the world? That which is going wrong in your life. But it doesn't affect your salvation. You're already cleansed with all uh, the love of God, the righteousness of God. And, and that is beautiful. So when things go wrong in our lives, okay, we must come to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. If you do something wrong to another person, go to that person and ask him or her to forgive you, okay? It will set you free. It will make you a different person. You will be able to rejoice. It will heal relationships. It will make sure that you are not going to live in agony, uh, afraid of uh, meeting that other person because of what has happened between the two of you. Forgiveness is powerful, okay? And remember, Jesus is our salvation. He has forgiven us, okay? But if we fall here and there. We should not say, okay, Jesus has already forgiven me when he died at the cross. Yes, of course, that forgiveness is available to all of us, but it doesn't exempt us from asking for forgiveness if we have gone wrong. Okay? That's why John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we need to learn the ways of God. Okay, we need to walk in the ways of God. We need to walk in the way that is Christ. In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 25, we read uh, a psalm of David, and in verse 4 it says, you know, Paul is, uh, uh, David is praying, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, from, for they are of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands 
of his covenant. And then, of course, you know, we remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says to us in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, you will obey, okay, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, okay? Jesus is truth, the spirit is truth, the Father is truth, okay? God is truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay? So the counselor is given to us. He is the spirit of truth. And a little further in chapter 16, verse 13 in John, we read, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, okay, and he has come, praise God, the spirit of truth has been given to us. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So when David prayed, Lord, teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior. Then the answer is in what Jesus said. But I will send you the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's our guide. But all I talked about was grace. Okay, grace that will be manifest in the truth. God the Father is truth. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit is the truth. The Spirit of truth. Okay? So Jesus is full of grace and truth. Giving it to those who come to him in humility. Those who need, who, who see their need. Those who have recognized that according to God's standard, I cannot qualify. But who accept the standard of God and says, Lord, give me what you have prepared for me. Give me the spirit of truth. Give me your kindness, your love, your forgiveness, your holiness, your righteousness. Give me Christ. Because all this is in Christ. So if we are in Christ, walking on the way of Christ, living in the truth of his word, then we also will see the life of God. Even here, even today, until finally we will be united with our Father in heaven because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to him except through me. And he will take us there. So we remain on the move. On the journey to our father. Okay. On the way of Christ. On the, in the truth of the Lord Jesus. And we receive the life that flows from within him. Okay. If you believe in me as scripture has said, Jesus said. Then, you know, life will flow from your belly. It will be a stream of living water. And that's what God wants us to experience. Not once in a while, not on a Sunday morning, but every single day in our life. That is grace. That is what God has prepared for those who love him in this world and who knows what else is waiting for us in the world to come. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you said that you have sanctified our, yourself for us so that we be sanctified in our lives as well. That is made to be made holy, to be made righteous, to be acceptable as a son in the house of God. Lord Jesus, your word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind is able to conceive what you have prepared for those who love you. And Lord Jesus, 
I want to stand here and declare I love you. And I want to say this on behalf of this family here, Go Center. Lord, we love you. We want to serve you. We want to walk in your grace. We want to walk in your footsteps, on your way, in your truth, to receive your life more and more abundantly. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the truths of your word that you have brought to us today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that we can recognize the grace in all of its truths that is in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for this love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us into your family as children of the Most High God. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. 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 God bless you.